Hello and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes in Magic the Gathering. I'm Frederick, and joining me as always is my wonderful, slightly overcosted co-host, Will. That's right. Welcome to Gutshot, the only MTG podcast that is still using converted mana cost. If you're not already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another second of that juicy Gutshot content. Fred, how's it going today? Pretty all right. I'm a little nervous about those uh, the new CDC um, guidelines just dropped. The hotter banned and restricted update. Uh, in that <laughs> people are banned from not wearing masks indoors even if they're vaccinated. Uh, right. I am scared for what this means for my place of work where people already don't wear masks. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah yes. Uh, we, we got some um, uh, updates about that in my workplace. And I'm just saying I'm keeping my mask on. I think everyone should just get ready for the idea that we might need to put masks back on uh, for that thing that we will not say here so we don't get like filtered or anything like that. So yeah, uh, totally understand. Um, we got a lot to talk about uh, this uh, episode. Uh, I remember during our administrative stuff for the last episode, we were thinking, oh, we're not going to have a lot to talk about uh, for this episode. But it turns <laughs> out actually quite a bit has happened. Some of that we're saving, but we're going to talk about some uh, recent developments uh, in uh, some very popular formats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I will say I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about next week, um, but I don't know what time we'll be talking about it because I can't read ana analog clocks. Uh, digital only. <laughs> digital um, only. <laughs> yeah, but uh, with our opening hand, uh, we got a historic suspension that I think everyone kind of guessed. Mm -hmm. uh, Brainstorm is suspended in historic, and um, I mean like... Duh. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to tell you. It's uh, not even legal in modern. It's a very powerful blue cantrip. For those of you who don't know, Brainstorm's an instant for one blue. Came out initially in Ice Age. Uh, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library. So, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor minus. Um, <laughs> for you millennials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's obviously a very strong card in Legacy. You know, put cards you don't care about back on top and then fetch type beat. Um, or just, you know put like a miracle on top uh just a very very strong card uh doesn't quite have the crazy synergies in historic that it did in other formats but just the value of getting to draw three cards and then put two back on top has proven too strong for a format that has things like arc light phoenix will do you think that this ban was justified yes uh i think everyone knew that it needed a band or suspended in this case but I don't think a lot of people thought Wizards would have the um, the gumption to actually do it. Um, so I'm proud of them. You know, hey, good job. You know, hey, we, we give you a lot of uh, grief on this podcast uh, when you mess up. But, you know, uh, stepping up and getting Brainstorm out of the historic format, that was a good thing to do. So well done. They, they definitely, in their announcement, tried to say, oh, Brainstorm isn't actually that bad. Our data doesn't back up, you know, Brainstorm <laughs> having such a crazy win percentage. But it doesn't really take a mathematician, uh, you know, someone uh, uh, schooled in statistics to know that Brainstorm was taking over the format and uh, was kind of, you know, up there in the best things you could possibly do in historic. So we all needed it. We all knew it needed to go, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, let me ask you this. Do you think opt is enough for historic, or do you think they're trying to find a proper power level for a blue instant? Do you think we might see Ponder or Preordain show up in historic next to kind of put their toes in the water? I wouldn't be surprised if something like Preordain shows up. The Wizards is absolutely willing to put in like um 
historically powerful, very like potent cards into the format. They seem to be taking a, we'll just print it and then, you know, do, you know, use the ban list to fix our mistakes. I mean, that's why Brainstorm was in the format to begin with. I, I'd like to think that the uh, people playing or the people at Wizards knew that Brainstorm would be one of the most powerful things you could do in Historic when it was put into the format. I'd like to think that they are good enough Magic players to know that that would have been the case. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get something that is on that is of that caliber um, because they seem to kind of, you know, print first and uh, ban later. That's the approach they seem to be taking. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Hopefully they will kind of figure out that, like, sweet spot in terms of power level. Because I do think, like, Blue-Red Blitz decks deserve to have powerful toys. Like, yeah. even if it's a kind of deck I don't enjoy, I think it should have fun toys to play with. I think it should have good cards. But, uh, like, yeah, I think I think Brainstorm has proven a little bit too powerful. But a lot of cards are on the horizon that we'll sort of talk about <laughs> next week, and we'll see if we can kind of figure that out. <laughs> I think that Historic is a great opportunity to prove that Brainstorm does not need a, mil uh, a uh, critical mass of shuffling effects to be good. That's mm. obviously a part of the power, and there are ways to do, you know, uh, consistent shuffling in Historic, but you don't have to be running 12 fetch lands for, yeah. uh, for, for Brainstorm to be, like, the best blue cantrip ever printed. We now know that to be 100% true. So, you know, that's a, that's another feather in Brainstorm's cap. Yes, you've been proven to be, you know, like one of the most potent spells in, in Magic. Yeah, good job, man. Sit down. <laughs> I do think that Is It Phoenix is still going to be a top-tier deck. Like, obviously, that's the deck that, you know, can, can kind of utilize Brainstorm, you know, like... To, to the highest effect and i think it's still going to exist it has uh spells that can easily just slot in place a brainstorm like a charter course or uh you know a few others um so that's that deck is not dead whatsoever but it you know we do have to you know it is taken down a notch uh, by the spanning or, or suspending yeah i i you know we're calling we're supposed to correct ourselves and call it a suspending but i honestly don't really feel the need to do that to be honest like it's it's going to get banned when it comes off the suspension. It's only suspended so they don't have to give you the wild cards right away. It would be absolutely insane if they were like, oh, Brainstorm's fine now. <laughs> they did that with uh, Burning Tree Emissary. And that was correct. Uh, but, you know, Burning Tree Emissary is also not Brainstorm. You know, uh, the only way I think that would make sense if for some reason they were like, oh, we're actually going to now give you Path to Exile and a Lightning Bolt. Like uh, a format that gets those toys are really the only toys where Brainstorm would be permissible. But yeah, I just think Brainstorm, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, uh, banned proper as uh, soon as they uh, can um, do so uh, due to their you know, procedure. Yeah, damn, a format with brainstorm and or with uh, with path to exile and lightning bolt and like maybe fetch lands. Somebody should make that format. Yeah, I don't know if anyone would play that. You know, those cards. Uh, you know, uh, uh, known to be unfun. I don't think that you know formats with those cards. I don't think anybody likes to play those formats. You know, no one's clamoring to be able to play with those cards. I think it's a yeah, non-starter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. We've got a great show for you today. We're kind of responding to a video, and I'm sure we'll link that video in the description. Uh, but we want to kind of use it to springboard into a larger discussion. Uh, but first, actually, sorry, I'm getting a, a bit ahead of myself. Um, we have some uh, we have some comments that we've received on previous episodes. So we want to say a huge shout out to our YouTube audience who's been keeping the comments flowing, and we want to respond to some. We've got some interesting, kind of uh, provocative ones here. 
Absolutely. We're all about previews uh, today, uh, but that that's a good thing. Before we move on to our main phase, uh, we just want to say you know, thank you for listening to this episode of Get Shot. It really does mean a lot to us. If you're enjoying the show and uh, listening to it uh, on the audio-only podcast, uh, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcast and write us a nice review. We'll definitely read any five-star reviews that we get. I checked earlier today. We have three five-star reviews. Um, so if you can get that number up, it'll really help people find our podcast. Uh, right. If you're enjoying this episode on YouTube, hit the like button and let us know. Uh, again, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another second of that juicy gut shot content. And don't forget the bell icon is there if you want notifications for new episodes. But more than anything, we love comments. We want to hear what you think and what topics you want us to cover. Whether you agree with us, disagree with us, or think that we're a couple of weapons-grade yahoos, let us know in the YouTube comments, or you can tweet at us at GutShotPod. And uh, we want to read any comments we get on air, like these comments that we are about to read. Oh, Will, I actually found out MTG is banned from Twitter, so you'll have to find us on Parlor. <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. Uh, uh, maybe you'll be on there, but I definitely won't. Okay, comment. This is from Dryaden, uh, and this was commented on our uh, uh, gut shot number 22. This is our Cubelet episode. You might remember that one. A classic. Dry yeah, classic. And Dryaden says, I make set-themed Cubelets with the cards I get in pre-release boxes or when I buy several booster packs to play a draft. It's wonderful to give a second life to those cards, and any person familiar with the game can join and play. And the best part of it, you can never complain about drawing too few or too many lands. Awesome format, smiley face. Man, what a nice comment. I'm so glad that uh, you know we're, we're talking about topics that other people are super interested in. Yeah, I am too. That's that was such a kind thing to say, and I think that's a good thing. I think we touched on that, but you know, you, we can kind of expand upon it. Um, just have giving a second life to your bulk, like your cards that you would have just like kind of put in a box and forgotten about after a draft. Your draft chaff is a wonderful thing to do, and Cubelet is a great way to do it because you don't have to worry about like whether the cards are the right power level for each other or whether they're fun to play in draft. You just kind mm -hmm. of sleeve them up and and don't worry about, it. or don't sleeve them up and don't worry, just play with them. Uh, so that, yeah, excellent idea. Yeah, you know, um, on our episode, we talked a lot about having these, like, super-tuned, uh, you know, high-power cubelets. But, yeah, you could just play with a pile of bulk, and it'll probably be very fun. It will be very fun. You just gotta make sure to take the lands out, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Dryadin also linked their Dominaria cubelet. Uh, you know, in a response, I mentioned that I was uh, interested in a Dominaria cubelet, and they had already made one. So they uh, linked to that, and it looks like a, a really sweet list. So anyone interested in cubelet or a Dominaria-specific cubelet, check out our um, episode on cubelet, Gut Shot Number 22 on YouTube, and you can see that link in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a great idea. Listen to the episode while you're at it. <laughs> uh, we got a second comment from Meg C on episode number 33, Deck Techs, and I believe this is in response to our end segment. How much for Commander Class on TCG? Will, do you know about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so if you listened to that episode, you might remember that we created our own class enchantments, uh, and uh, Commander Class, just absolute trash card, just, like, not even... Nothing nothing good going on there, but they want to know how much this would be. I think that would actually be a really expensive card um, because I'm sure it would only be like, 
the it would be the secret card and like secret layer outdated artifacts that haven't seen play in five years so it would be super hard to find it would be super expensive what do you think um, I think, you know, I'm going on TCG to player to look for it now, and it's giving me the, uh, we do no, we no longer sell or buy this card or any cards deemed racist or offensive by Wizards <laughs> of the Coast. Uh, weird. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> very, that's very weird. Our, uh, last comment that we want to highlight here, YouTube comment, uh, from Michael Lee, and this was also on episode number 33, uh, Deck Tech. So that's when we talked about, uh, Winota for 100, uh, Card Historic Brawl. And then, uh, Fred highlighted his, uh, Teamer, um, you know, Cascade, Ragavan, Jason Mind Sculptor deck. And Michael says, <laughs> you should do an episode on card designing in general if you haven't already. Really enjoyed the end segment on this one. Man, our class enchantments were a real hit, weren't they? Yeah, maybe we're good at designing cards. We should apply for jobs at Wizards. <laughs> that's, Dethrone that's... that living soy jack, Gavin Verhey. Oh, yeah, well, we, we like Gavin. I think this oh, is I great. Like yeah, uh, I think this is a great idea. Um, you know, both of us have interesting ideas on um, uh, designing cards. We have a lot of fun coming up with both serious and silly designs on this podcast. Maybe we should just um, have an episode where we just talk about like our like our favorite designs for Magic and how we want to see those uh, implemented in the future. Maybe we can you know make some some new cards. What, what do you think about this, Fred? Uh, yeah, I like it. I love designing magic cards for fun because I'm a total fucking nerd. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we can do more of that, I'm, 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 I'm about it. Uh, I, I feel like we should put some restrictions on ourselves because as Mark Rosewater says, restrictions breed creativity. And that, that also lets us make more episodes out of it. Maybe we could, you know, do an episode where we design some sagas, do an episode where we design some adventure cards, you know, just kind of go wild with it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, this is a plump cow. We could milk this for a very, very long time. Yes, we can discard it and make a food token. Sure, yeah. So thank you for your comment, Michael. Um, that's all of our YouTube comments. If you leave a comment on our YouTube channels or you tweeted us at GutshotPod, we'd love to read what you have to say on air. And with that said, let's move on to our main phase. Fred, what are we talking about today? Uh, today we are talking about Spice 8 Rack's video uh, about proxying. Uh, and whether it is morally correct, what they are, what situations they are and aren't appropriate in. And I think we're going to give our own takes on how we feel about proxying. Uh, Will, do you want to explain what a proxy is real quick? Yes, absolutely. So a proxy uh, is, uh, you know, the community's term for a representation of a real magic card. Um, as Spice8Rack says in his video, um, uh, Wizards of the Coast uses the term playtest cards. Uh, maybe that means something uh, more specific to them legally. The community knows them as proxy cards. Um, so this could be, a, you know, elaborate uh, thing that you order um, from someplace that's like has a custom art printed on cardstock. It could be a piece of paper printed out, you know, with an image of the card in a sleeve with another card. Or you can just, you know, as you know, the um, the Ur example, take a sharpie and write the name of a magic card on a basic land. Um, but it, it's just something meant to represent a real magic card. Yeah, got too many of those pesky tropical islands, but you really need a powerful Shivan Dragon to finish your deck. Just write what the card does on the tropical island. Uh, Spice Ake Rack had a um, a great guest on, a, a proxy artist, um, uh, uh, at 
Sheepwave. I don't remember their first name. I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, um, at Sheepwave. And uh, she said something really insightful to me uh, is that you can make the argument that a real magic card is just a proxy of the rules object it represents. And I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. The game exists just as a set of rules. And we use the card to play the game, but the card really is just rules text on a uh, on a piece of paper. That's a good way to um to think about that. Yeah, I think um I'm basically like uh, that's the kind of pedantic headassery that I love. I go absolutely soy for like just like weird arguments that you wouldn't really think about it, but it does kind of work that way. The idea that the card is a proxy for the rules object, like. Kind of, and, and and I guess like what you try to follow from there is that like any card is a proxy, so it doesn't really matter what you use. And I do, as someone who is generally pretty much fully pro proxy, I I definitely I, I definitely agree with that. But I don't know if that argument is as persuasive to sure. uh, the sort of anti proxy crowd. But I do I do think it's a really interesting way to look at it. Uh, especially what when Spice Eight Rack said, if you've ever used Ophiomancer, you've used a proxy because the actual token for the one one black snake with Death Touch doesn't exist. I found that really fascinating. Oh yeah, um, I want to talk about that later. Let's put a pin in that because I actually okay. have some problems with that uh, that argument. Um, okay. But uh, I do want to go ahead. Um, I'm sorry for not remembering your your name, uh, but uh, the the guest on the video was Megan Burden, uh, Twitter.com slash SheepyCutie, who does um, artwork uh, for proxies uh, and has some really great uh, like uh, pixel art uh, fetch lands and stuff like that. So she was the guest that Spice had on his uh, video. So, yeah, okay, so, well, let's just talk about, like, so obviously the argument here is, is proxying okay? Is it good? Is it bad? Does it hurt wizards or anything like that? Um, for those who haven't watched the video, um, Spice comes down pretty hard on, yes, it is a good thing. You are not hurting anybody. It's, uh, I mean, the title of the video is, Why Proxying is Cool and Good, Actually, featuring <laughs> Sheepwave. So he is very pro-proxying. Um, um, it sounds like uh, you are as well, Fred, from just the little bit that you've given me. And... Um, um, I have to say, I am I am pro po uh, proxy in some situations. Um, mm -hmm. I I am more willing to listen to the idea of it being harmful to Wizards of the Coast, but um, that's a discussion we're about going to uh, have right now. Um, so let's just get into it, uh, Fred. I'm going to ask you just straight up: Do you think that proxying is theft? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think many things are theft. <laughs> um, okay. I think it is, like he said, sort of in the video copying. It's not, it's the same, it's akin to piracy. Yes. Um, I, and like, you are not depriving anyone of their actual copy of the card by having a fake copy of the card. And I think that's where I come down on that for sure. So no, I don't think it's theft. I do think there are people it has a negative effect on, but we can, uh, what do you think proxying is theft? Um, uh, you're absolutely right to say that proxying is very close. It's pretty much, um, an analogy to piracy. And I think they say that in the video yes, yeah. as well. Um, so I guess that raises the question of, is piracy a bad thing? Is piracy theft? And that's a, a conversation that lots of people have had, um, over the years. And I'll just go ahead and state my stance on this. I do think that piracy is theft, but I don't think people should not do it. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I don't think all theft is bad. 
Um, I think if you're talking about kind of an indie game that people obviously worked very hard on, something like uh, Supergiant's Hades, uh, you should not pirate that. Um, something by any AAA studio, especially something by Activision Blizzard, you pirate the shit out of it. That's It's always okay. Uh, that's yeah. where I come down, and it depends on who you are depriving of the revenue from that work and whether they deserve it. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to uh, to look at it, and I would think the same way. Yes, I do think that piracy in a, uh, in a um, moral, ethical stance is a stealing of uh, intellectual property, but we can't just stop there. We have to look beyond that and look at the uh, particular situation, the uh, conditions that that uh, theft happens in, and uh, any um, judgment on uh, morality or ethics has to has to come from there. Um, so, but the question is, you know, should we encourage proxying in the MTG community? Um, I do think that um, I think I think that both of us can uh, kind of agree that proxying should not be allowed or encouraged in official sanctioned events. Where do, where do you fall on that? Uh, that I disagree on. Um, okay. I think there are fish. I think you should have. There should be a healthy mix of official sanctioned events where proxying is and is not allowed. Uh, there should be somewhere it is, somewhere okay. it isn't, and there are a few reasons for that. Um, I also will go ahead and say I think like my stance on somebody else using counterfeit cards, like trying to pass them off as real cards, is similar to my stance at like somebody being high at work. I'm not going to tell our boss. I'm going to let them know if I think it's noticeable so that they can kind of fix it uh, if uh, they want to. Um, uh, I think. It is, I'm not going to get someone else kicked out of a tournament that they're excited to play in because I don't see the act of playing in a tournament with a proxy as the same as sort of cheating in a tournament in a gameplay to gain an advantage, like drawing extra cards or something. Some people do see it that way. I don't. Um, I also, like, when it comes down to it, like, I'm fine with playing against someone who's, like, mana base is wonky and who only has half a play set of some of the important cards in their deck, but I would rather play against someone with a full competitive deck if I'm showing up at a tournament and playing for money. Sure, I would rather yeah, play that. against real... I, 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 want, I want a real challenge. Like, I want to play against other very tuned decks. Mm -hmm. So, I if, if they need to proxy to do that, then I would prefer that they do that. Um, with that said, part of my... One of my favorite experiences in Magic the Gathering was starting with a very bad version of Mono Green Devotion, which did have some proxies in it at first, but when they stopped allowing proxies at our local game store, I had to take them out and replace them with a lot of subpar cards. And slowly getting, like, second or third place a few weeks in a row and getting to buy one Garuk and then two Primal Commands all at a time and kind of build up my deck, and it felt like the progression was really rewarding. I feel like I really earned Mono Green Devotion, and that's probably why I stayed playing it for, like, six years. <laughs> um, because it was right. so meaningful to me that I had that and that I'd earned that and that I'd built that and proxying can deprive someone of that experience but at the same time like that experience isn't valuable to everyone what do you think about that uh yes um all of your arguments make sense there um but I do have to kind of come down on the um side of um I think that there needs to be a um a hard line in between sanctioned magic with real magic cards and unsanctioned magic that allows proxies. And that's pretty close to what the status quo is uh, with wizard stance on proxies. Um, I think, and this kind of segues into the idea of does proxying hurt wizards of the coast? You know, regardless of whether it's ethical or moral, are you hurting their, you know, um, uh, standing? Are, are you like uh, making them more financially precarious by uh, proxying the cards? Um, 
if it's sanctioned and Wizards is like, you know, support, you know, giving, you know, price support in whatever way that would be, I do think that, you know, there it needs to be real magic cards because it is, you know, sponsored, sanctioned by Wizards of the Coast. And I do think at a certain point we have to say, I am invested in the health of this game. So, um, you know, I, I want to support the company that is making it in a way that I am comfortable doing. And I think using real magic cards is, you know, kind of the baseline for being able to do that. But I do think that there should be room for stores to do unsanctioned tournaments and have that be completely okay with Wizards where you can have like, okay, everybody gets five proxies or, you know, a full proxy. It's just like a standard, you know, uh, you know, whatever playing deck you want type of situation. Um, so I, I'm kind of on the fence of that. I definitely don't want proxies at like day two of a GP. Um, I don't think that that is good for wizards or good for the um, impression that the game would have on other players. Does, does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think, I think GPs, I agree with you. My concern right now is that Wizards doesn't allow proxies in non-sanctioned events at WPN stores. Like, right, you yes. can't have a tournament with prizes at all, even if Wizards, even if it isn't reported to Wizards. And that's just a level of control I absolutely don't think Wizards should have over local game stores. I do, I do agree with that. I think that that's a, um, some, uh, that's a Wizards overstepping their bounds a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, so, like... At Pokemon Nationals, there was a sort of side event where you could sit down and you would uh, you you would be on a computer, you would be logged into a Pokemon TCG Online account that had every card in it, mm -hmm. uh, and you could just build whatever you want and then play in tournaments against the other people there. So you could literally play whatever deck you wanted. It was like a as if it were proxied, just kind of a play what you want event against real people in person, and it was a lot of fun. And like if GPS could have events like that, that would be really awesome. Um, yeah. I think just the, so this is kind of all over the place. I don't really give a shit if it hurts wizards, to be honest with you, because okay, yeah. wizards doesn't seem to really give a shit if they hurt players. <laughs> uh, they don't, they're going to keep like monetizing the game in an incredibly predatory way, taking cards that, I mean, I don't want to be conspiracy theorist, but I feel like if the game wasn't owned by Hasbro, it would be a lot more affordable. Um, things you like were, fetch lands. Hmm? You were bringing the gut shots today, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm, and I'm paying life for all of them. I think uh, w this game would be a lot more affordable if it wasn't owned by Hasbro. And the fact that like fetch lands are this expensive, I think, is really Hasbro's fault because you know when Wizards of the Coast had control of printing this stuff, they were a lot more liberal with it. Um, and like a lot of the a lot of the staples that they sort of milk every time there's a master set, they pick those couple expensive cards to reprint and let the other ones kind of accrue value. Um, makes the game just out of reach for some players. And if proxying is the answer to that, then that's fine. I think if the most expensive competitive cards in modern were like $20, then I would not want any proxies at all because that is an amount where if you can afford to show up and play modern, you can afford to slowly work your way up to those the way that I did. And I think that progression is fun. Now, granted that progression isn't fun for everyone, but like I get, I, I think that should be, that's kind of a rite of passage for uh from players especially younger players getting into the game is like playing with a crappy deck for a few weeks while you save up store credit from getting wins to build the deck that you really want to play uh but with things like if the deck you really want to play requires a couple of ren and six and a bunch of fetch lands it might literally be impossible 
for or it might take like four years of you doing that at your local game store to finish that deck and that's just or to get it to a playable state and that's just unrealistic and in that case i think i think proxy when the game is this expensive proxies are kind of kind of become a necessity okay that that makes sense uh, you know megan in the video makes a great point when she says that um, she does not create proxies for cards that are um, under a dollar or, or yeah, under or she, cards that are between $1 and $20 because mm. she said she thinks that that's like the sweet spot for cards, like uh, cards that you should be supporting your LGS by buying yes. in the store. Yeah. Uh, there's that. Yeah. There's that very, um, uh, popular quote by uh, Richard Garfield where he said many many years ago said that he didn't want magic to be where to like one card was more than $20 um that's $10, a very I thought <laughs> uh, something like that it's a very very old quote but that kind of fits right in line you know if you're a magic player you know you're going you're ha you're spending a couple hours at the LGS you buy a $10 you know uh, a single and then you um you know, spend five dollars to enter whatever random tournament that is today. That is kind of like that really, and then a couple of dollars on like drinks and snacks. That's a great like um, sweet spot to support your LGS. But yeah, so you can uh, uh, split the difference between spending that money and supporting them and saving. You know, the two hundred, however much guys' cradle costs these days. Right. You can keep that money in your pocket and just write it off, basically. Yes, that that I agree with. I think like you know, it's reasonable. To, it's reasonable to expect people to buy arid maces at their shop right now because oh, especially price. right, especially yeah, right. yeah. But like Ren and Six, like mm -hmm. that card is artificially expensive. There are some players who will just never be able to afford it, and I think they still deserve to get to play with it. So like, you know, what are you gonna do there, right? But arid mesa, like you can show up to your LGS with pain lands and fast lands and play red white burn while you save up for the arid mesas with the matches you win and maybe drop a couple games because your mana base isn't as consistent or you draw too many lands in the late game but like you'll sort of stop dropping those games as you improve your list you know that sounds exactly like uh the uh, boomer argument against um uh getting rid of uh student debt it's like hey i had to suffer you all have to suffer now too oh no no no, no. i'm not saying i suffered though i enjoyed that progression i thought it was fun right. Right. Yes, um, yes. Also, you need to get rid of your student debt in order to live. You do that's not true. need fetch lands to live. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I could just see you uh, saying that while like shaking your fist and trying to get kids off your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is a really interesting conversation for us to have because we are very, well, I mean, you know, varying levels, but we consider ourselves to be very competitive people. You know, we play, um, spend a lot of time playing like a competitive modern at uh, LGSs, uh, and we have made no secret of the fact that we are not really commander players. Now, Spice 8 Rack in his video really um, leaned into the idea of uh, of commander first. Um, and, and that makes sense. A lot of MTG content creators really do play the game commander first, and then everything else is uh, secondary, secondary to that, while we're really more competitive focused in the way we think about magic. Um, and, and, you know, that's a, a good thing to keep in mind because EDH is at its core supposed to be a more casual format. 
I'm trying to stretch myself a little bit and think about this situation in a more casual environment where it does make a lot more sense if you're just playing a janky commander deck against other people's janky commander decks, then, you know, like um, the idea of proxying kind of loses a lot of that um, uh, ethical and moral conundrum, right? Yeah, I think I, I pretty much agree. I think in a casual format like Commander, there's pretty much no reason not to allow proxies. I don't think there's a good argument not to allow proxies in that case. Um, but I don't know, a lot of Commander players are really sweaty. So maybe That's they, it really, really bothers them. I don't know. Um, and a lot of people play Commander at their LGS in um, sanctioned or unsanctioned Commander pod tournaments, right? So we got to consider that as well. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's up to your LGS's discretion. I am worried about the way that proxying affects local game stores. Um, but, like, the same could be said for ordering cards on TCG Player. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. Yeah, like, that doesn't help your local game store either. That hurts your local game store, really, unless you're eventually going to sell those cards to your local game store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I really I really go back and forth. I think this is a very nuanced topic. Um, and, like, I really do feel like it's a game. Don't get so sweaty about it. At the same time, I enjoy the progression of building a deck up from scratch. I right. do feel like... You know, this this strangely kind of reminded me of the time-skipping and Animal Crossing thing, where, like, people would get really mad at other people on Twitter for, like, setting their Nintendo Switch clock ahead so they could get more stuff in Animal Crossing, yeah. so they could, like, move their, their game ahead. And that's what it feels like to me, like, proxying or using counterfeit cards versus... Sorry, my cat's right next to my mic. Um, versus using actual, like actual cards like maybe the person using proxies is just kind of skipping ahead because they don't enjoy the grind of putting a deck together and if i'm telling them that they have to use real cards because i did then i'm kind of just telling them to stop enjoying the game they want the way they want to and start enjoying the game the way i want to and yeah. that just doesn't seem fair you know sure yeah that that makes a lot of sense um yeah um lgs is the one thing that i'm very concerned about hurting and i think probably the thing that's worth the most to worry about in this situation you know for casual situations like just playing uh edh in a friend group i a hundred percent with spice when he finishes his video saying that you know if it helps you sit down and have fun playing a game that you enjoy with people that you want to be around then yes proxying is absolutely the correct thing to do you know because it gets people it gets people together and playing the game and at the end of the day that's what that's what's important so i if i'm you know playing edh in a non-sanctioned setting and someone has um you know proxied cards i will not care at all um you know because you know it's it's just for fun it's just people enjoying a game that they love so that's that's where i fall on that in a uh, casual set yeah i will say i like the way magic the gathering cards look and i like looking at them on the table so if somebody's deck is half like ripped in half um uh note cards with the stuff written on it in pencil that does irk me i would prefer people just print out images of the cards or use like actual counterfeits <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, uh, Spice has a section of his video where he talks about proxies versus counterfeit. Um, let me ask you, where do you think the line is between proxies and counterfeit? 
I mean, I think, like, it's very clear when you're attempting to pass something off as a legit magic card. If you alter the art to where it would be easy to look up and see, like, this isn't an actual art for this card, I think that's fine. If you put fake or proxy somewhere on the card, I think that's fine. Honestly, I think using counterfeit magic cards is fine as long as you can get away with it and you're not trying to sell them to anyone as the real thing. If you can have your counterfeit fetch lands and, like, use them in your local modern for a few weeks... I, I honestly I honestly don't give a shit if they look real sure. enough. I just don't want you to go and sell them to a player as if they're the real deal. Sure, yeah. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. How do you feel about Wish.com proxies? How, how, do you know what I'm talking about where you can order uh, bulk, uh, you know, printed counterfeit magic cards uh, from Chinese printers? Do you know these? Yeah, like fetch lands and stuff. Just a big right. stack of them. Yeah, I think those are fine as long as you're not trying to trade them as if they're real. Um, what I would honestly do if I decided to use those would be write fake on the back of them mm, yeah. so that like, you know, they're going in a sleeve and I can use them at whatever tournament I'm going to use them in. But like, if I, if anyone steals them, they're not going to be able to trade them to someone else because they have fake written on the back of them in Sharpie. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, would be that... my, I think that's the way to responsibly use those. Yeah. You know, I, I'm torn on this. I do think that the wish.com proxies really do hurt wizards and, uh, you know, there is a point where I have to like you know, worry. I, I mean, I know you're a lot more hardline on this, but like, I love magic. I don't want magic to go anywhere. I do want wizards to succeed as a company making the game that I want. Uh, you, and then I, you know, I, I look and see that they're, uh, you know, doubling their profits every single uh, quarter, you know, whatever it is in all of these, um, um, uh, investor meetings that they have. Um, but I do think that the wish.com proxies are kind of towing the line of this is actually really hurting the viability of, you know, making magic as a game. But, you know, if, if you're, if you're, tr if you're going to play with proxies, why not play with just the closest to the real thing that you can get? You know, it's like, why, why print out the card when you could just use the card printed on the card, you know? Um, oh, but yeah, yeah definitely. We, we can definitely both say these should not be traded or sold or anything like that. We do not want that in the community. Oh, absolutely. Even the most pro-proxy people have to kind of agree with that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we're kind of, we have some disagreements, but it sounds like we're pretty much on the same uh, page together. And with Spice 8 Rack, um, you know, proxying is good for players. And if it gets players playing and uh, enjoying the game and enjoying the company of the Magic community, then that is only a good thing. Yeah, I think I 100% I, I concur. Um, so, well, let's talk about Spice 8 Rec. I know that he's one of your favorite content creators. Yes. What do you, uh, if you, as as much as you can say, can you tell us a little bit about him and what makes him a great content creator in your eyes? Yeah, so I found him when he had like 100-something subscribers, and I think I originally suggested trying to get him on our podcast, and then like two days later, he blew up. <laughs> um. I, I, I remember you saying that, yeah. Yeah, so that's just not a possibility anymore. Um, but... He's awesome, uh, and I think mostly because uh, he is sort of um, injects political prescriptions that agree with that are in line with my own into magic content. When so much of the uh, gamer space on the internet is occupied by reactionaries who sort of brand themselves as apolitical because their political prescriptions are the norm, it's really refreshing to see someone who makes content about a game I love with a sense of humor that's basically identical to my own. Mm. Um, except he's better at it and with just like subtle jabs at politics that I find repulsive and like 
subtle uh, endorsements of politics that I agree with. Um, yeah, leftist and, politics. He's, well, he's, right. <laughs> he's he's bread tube, right? Yeah, I, yeah, he's he, squarely within that aesthetic. Well, yeah, he's done voiceovers for... Um, like H bomber guy and uh, and uh, the the big ones of BreadTube, uh, we're in hell, like those kinds of people, and uh, and vice versa. They've done stuff on his channel, which is really great to see. And then he's had some uh, videos that are just explicitly BreadTube, don't really have much at all to do with magic, Domri raid and police abolition, mm. um, uh, the heartless propaganda of Weatherspoon News, like that kind of stuff. And I think he's good at BreadTube too. I want more Magic the Gathering content, especially Magic the Gathering content. That Sort of laced with bread tube, uh, so I, I do get a little disappointed when he releases videos that have nothing to do with Magic the Gathering. But he is good at bread tube, sure, uh, and I've yeah. enjoyed his bread tube content. Um, I'm a huge I like most of my engagement with politics is through like YouTube political discussions. Uh, people like Thought Slime or Philosophy Tube. Uh, so I just eat that stuff up, and I think Spice Eight Rack is like the best of both worlds. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely the one, uh, probably not the only, but definitely the best and uh, uh, the one with the most eyes on him uh, for mixing leftist politics and uh, Magic the Gathering content in on YouTube. Um, I, I do yes. have to say, I think that he falls into that trap, and this is kind of my number one gripe with BreadTube. I think the videos are too long and his are pretty mm. long too. They're, they're always around that like 45 to an hour, um, you know, uh, time, you know, time frame. Uh, and I think that's a little, a little too long. I wish that, you know, um, the bread tube videos would be a little shorter, but you know, if you know that you like bread tube content, especially the length, um, then, uh, you know, give spice eight rec a, a listen. He's definitely, um, up there with those, content creators and i also like that he's not really cozying up to wizards of the coast kind of like uh Tolarian community college he calls them out when they need to be called out he's definitely not trying to um gain favor with them and get like uh, you know um preview cards he, like he he calls <laughs> them out when they need it yeah he got one preview card and then kind of made sure that never happened again <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if this video in particular gone blacklisted with uh, Wizards of the Coast, I can't imagine they wouldn't do business with him when he came out with, "Hey, you know, uh, um, you know, make representations of our cards and play with those instead of buying our cards." Yeah, I, which I mean, uh, true and based, and he should uh, be proud of saying it. But yes, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they've decided to stop working with him after that. I, I think I didn't give you a chance to respond. Do you do you think those videos are too long? What, what do you think about my opinion? Um, I, 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 the length pretty much never bothers me. I listen to BreadTube for hours at a time, uh, when I'm, like, at work on the night shifts, or sometimes even on the morning shifts if I don't really give a shit. Um, so, sure. like, Makes yeah, sense. I, I don't, like, I'm doing stuff while I listen to BreadTube, and I don't, like, watch it. I just put it in, in my pocket and put my headphones in, or, like, listen to it on my computer while I'm doing something else at work, but, like... I just, I, I, I can listen to videos that are hours on it. I would say my limit is like three hours, but I don't, sure. none of his videos have hit that. They're all between like 30 minutes and an hour, which is like perfect length for me. So I don't, I, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, fair enough. I, I think BreadTube does do a good job of uh, making content that's very listenable with great visuals if you want to watch the visuals. Um, but, you know, BreadTube is very good for putting on a second mod or while you're playing uh, an arena draft on your other mod. That is exactly what I do. <laughs> right. 
for sure. So yeah, Spice 8 Rack, great content creator. Definitely check him out if you haven't. He has a lot of flavor vids, uh, videos. So if you're a Vorthos and you like that stuff, that seems to be a lot of what he did um, before he blew up. A lot of just like talking about the flavor of magic. I think he gave a lot of uh, magic characters fursonas uh, uh, a while <laughs> back. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> that was a great episode. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what you that's the kind of content that you are uh in store for. So, yeah, great great um uh discussion about proxying here. Do you agree with us? Uh do you think that we, you know, um have good arguments? Do you think we're wrong? Let us know. Uh you could tweet at us at gutshotpod or comment in the YouTube comments below. We want to hear what you think about proxying in Magic. Yes, we do. Um I'm I'm really curious to see if we'll get any angry comments because I know the the Spice Eight Rack video started with an angry tweet. Mm, yeah. So we will see if we get any. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, well, why don't we move on to our uh, scoop step? Absolutely. Yeah. So this scoop step, we're doing another drip ranking since uh, the audience, and by the audience, I mean me, loved it so much. Um, I had a, I had a good time with it too. The the Orzov fantastic looking and there are just a lot of really good um well-dressed good looking uh characters in magic the gathering and i'm glad that we're finally going to put them in the proper place ranked in order yes absolutely so this time we've got a treat for you i love tarkir i miss tarkir you might love tarkir you probably don't miss tarkir uh because of one of the characters whose drips will be ranking today but today <laughs> i have decided we're going to rank the drip of the abzan clans um so uh, how, how how do you want to go about this? Um, okay, so um, I have the art in front of me, and it'll be on the video as well. But I gotta be honest, some of these cards I don't recognize off the top. Do you have the uh, the card names in front of you? Oh yes, yeah, we're going we're going for some draft chaff drip. Oh, okay, sounds good. Then why don't you, uh, in order, um, like we'll start we'll start from the first one. Tell us the card name, and then we can discuss the drip, and then we'll move on, and then afterwards we'll we'll rank these. All right, I dig it, I dig it. All right, so this first one is Disowned Ancestor. He was that 0-4 that could outlast. He was black. Um, he saw a little bit of standard play as, like, a very bad hangerback walker. Mm. Uh, and I got to say, I like this drip. He's got the kind of sand thing going on. I he, he, he kind of, like, reappears and disappears in the sand under the kin tree. And I just, I think the color scheme works for him. Uh, mostly, I mean, it's mostly, like, sepia tone. But I think he's got kind of, like, a terracotta soldier vibe going on. And those terracotta yep. soldiers, they were locked in that tomb because they had too much drip so <laughs> those those terracotta soldiers are absolutely terrifying as is that curved sword man i do not want to see that thing swinging towards me but i i gotta i gotta dock points it's very monotone i, I think that okay. um contrast is something that you can't overlook and there's absolutely no contrast going on with this outfit it's uh i gotta take points away i don't know what if the sand was spelling out by any means necessary uh, I don't know. Sand, it's uh, it's irritating. It gets everywhere. I, I definitely wouldn't <laughs> want to get close to this uh, this individual. Okay. Well, next we've got the drip of Abzan Beastmaster. Uh, hmm. This guy can he outlasts and he can give all of your guys with plus one plus one counters trample. But can he give all of your creatures with plus one plus one counters drip? Will, what do you think? Um. Okay. First of all, big uh props to um having the um having the the fortitude the will to walk amongst these absolute gargantuan beasts you know like Large what stuff. a what a powerful stance just sitting there like oh yeah this is my uh this is my um absolute titanic elephant friend greg you know and that <laughs> that says a lot right there 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big part of it. I love the staff as an accent piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you get divorced and you have in your 40s and you have like two options. Buy a new car to compensate or buy a weird uh, wispy staff and hang out under some elephants. And I think this guy made the right choice. Yeah, that's true. You can either buy a sports car or you can pick up a really weird hobby. And this is this is definitely in the weird hobby category. Yeah, but I think it works for him. I like the drip. You mentioned contrast. I think this sort of like Halloween vibe with the orange and the black has got it going on. And he's just yeah. got that kind of wizened, uh, kind of snarky vibe. So I, I would say he's got reasonable drip. It's the goatee. I think that that gives that air of um, mm, um, yeah intelligence I, I like the points i like how the shoulders come up into a point to accentuate his uh or uh, uh, accentuate this character's uh pointy ears i think it's mm-hmm. very it's very angular i like that so yeah this i would say this character definitely has uh, drip all right so on to this next one the inoc bond kin uh this character just has no drip he's wearing exactly the same thing as all the other people behind him he doesn't look like he's excited to be there he's got a glowy spear i guess but it's just sort of the default abzan uh, colors and he's got like this weird infinity scarf that he's not wearing correctly like he just mm. like saw it on pinterest and got excited but he didn't learn how to wear it so he just looks he looks kind of like a fool i don't think he has drip yeah yeah um it's almost like he is trying to cosplay as a mortal combat character you mm, know what i mean ouch yeah <laughs> wasn't i know sub-zero is the blue one wasn't there a white one uh, that had like the white uh outfit do you know what i'm talking about I gotta be honest, I don't know a lot of Mortal Kombat lore. I remember watching the shitty movie. Uh, there's yeah. Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Reptile, and... Yeah. Uh, noob? Noob is one. That was yeah, the all-black yeah, that, one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know if uh, there was a white one, though. Uh, maybe not. Okay, I don't I don't really care uh, for the drip of this one. Uh, looks. This is like um, hashtag mauled ninja, right? You know, mm-hmm. a cosplay outfit. You know, I, I'm willing to bet that that um, halberd or whatever he's wearing or uh, whatever he's wielding uh, doesn't even have a sharp edge. Like the powerful stance, but yeah, nothing really going on here. So this next one I think has quite a bit of drip. This is uh, Anna Fenza the Foremost, and I have actually used this one in Modern in like an Abs and Coco type of list. Yeah, yeah. She's a pretty strong card. Uh, honestly, if she wasn't as overshadowed by Siege Rhino, I think she would have been like sort of the standout card of the Abzan, but we live in a world where Siege Rhino exists. Um, Anna Fenza's got the sword, and she does not have a Mall Ninja vibe. She looks like she knows how to use it. She's commanding two goats, which is just already enough for me to want to flee in terror, but the goats even have drip. They've got that cool forehead thing, uh, mm-hmm. and she's got these kind of purple capes trailing off, and she's, like, standing up in her weird, like, go-kart with a goat cart. Um, and I just, I don't know, I dig the armor. It looks... I can't even really explain why she's got... It's like she's got hammer pants, but with armor over them. And I just, I think that's incredible. I think she has immense drip. I, I would say so. Um, the outfit actually understated, but sometimes that's great. Great mm. contrast with the white and red. Powerful pose. You know that she is in charge. Um, she is going to empty your graveyard, uh, you know. so be careful. And the goats, I mean, I don't want to get gored by that. Those horns look terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, yeah, understated outfit, but the whole vibe, the stance, the... Um, um, uh, it's it's oozing confidence and power, and that's worth a lot. So, you know, good drip on Anfenza. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you know this next one? Oh, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know the name. It's like Fist of the Way of the something. I know it's the um, it's the bad uh, figure of destiny for uh, Abzan. 
I think it's an excellent figure of Destiny, but it's Warden of the First Tree. He saw plenty of standard play. Um, Warden of the First Tree. He could kind of make himself bigger, like increase his drip by paying mana into him later, like a sort of pseudo level up mechanic. Um, and I think he's very cool. I like his little emerald in his hat. Um, I do think he has kind of a pompous vibe, uh, just based on the expression he's making and the thing he's doing with his hand, but I, I can't deny the drip. The one pauldron bigger than the other gives him a real Final Fantasy vibe. The red turtleneck under the armor just has kind of like a, why is he doing that, but in a cool way. I, I think Warden of the First Tree has plenty of drip. I'm loving the facial hair here. Um, if this character um, appears in the magic movie or a, you know, a Netflix series or whatever, it's uh, uh, Warren of the First Tree is, is going to be played either by Johnny Depp or Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and it's mm. all that facial hair, right? Yeah, I, I would prefer Robert Downey Jr. play Solemn Simulac. But maybe okay. that's yeah. just me. Um, no. <laughs> no, I like this. He's got some uh, some blunts dangling from his necklace, which is a very bold fashion statement. Uh, I, I think he's got drip for sure. I, I think I think so. I think so. Um, yeah the the um, the head the headpiece with the emerald, very good. Scary battle axe. Yeah, he, he's definitely dressed to kill. Mm-hmm. So this last one, we're finally answering the age old question: Does Siege Rhino have drip? I would say yes, because uh, Siege Rhino is adorned in all of those, um, um, what are they, uh, like uh, diamonds, like uh, little pieces of uh, little pieces of armor or decoration. They're literally dripping off the rhino. It's even, um, he's even got one dripping off his, off his horn. I would say yes, he has drip. Just look at him. All right, I've got to disagree with you strongly here. Uh, I think Siege Rhino looks like a fucking clown. Uh, it looks like a bunch <laughs> of kids were flying kites too close to him, and they got stuck on him, and he can't get them off because his stupid stubby legs can't reach them. For I think he mm. has no drip. Somebody's stupid tent is on top of him. I think that's really cringe. <laughs> that is not an accent piece. Covered in you, kites, bad, bad, no drip. You used me for land development. <laughs> you used me as 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 real estate. It's free okay. real estate. All right, I'm okay. Um, I'm willing to listen to you on this. Uh, yeah, other than the um, the pieces of armor dripping off of him and that massive horn, you're right. He kind of is just uh, being used by another person. Everyone else on this uh, list has a powerful stance, oozing confidence, uh, leadership. The siege rhino, rhino is literally just there to attack and block and uh, drain the opponent. So yeah, yeah. I, I I'm willing to listen to you on this so uh won't, won't you give us your um your list rank these and tell us who has the most uh drip in abzan clans all right number six got to be anok bonkin get him out of here yes number I, five i agree beta male siege rhino getting just mm. being rode into battle by someone else garbage no drip number four probably um disowned ancestor maybe he was disowned for having no drip number mm -hmm. three uh abzan beastmaster little too condescending now that I look at it a second time, but I do respect him for being under the elephant. Uh, number two, uh, gotta say, Warden of the First Tree. The blunts on the necklace is an accent piece. The Final Fantasy looking pauldrons. I'm really feeling it. And number one has got to be Anifens of the Foremost. Uh, so much drip that, like, goats have to pull you around because your drip is too heavy. I gotta say Anifens is number one. I wish I could disagree with you, but unfortunately, I agree with you. That's my exact list. Uh, I that think, is your I exact think list. You, yeah, exactly. I think I think that you nailed it, and I appreciate you uh, talking me down on Sea Dryer. Or I was going to make a huge mistake. <laughs> I'm glad friends don't let friends say Sea Dryer has drip. 
Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I there are all sorts of different um, uh, factions, clans, guilds that we could talk about. I can't wait to do this again. I think there are a lot more characters that need to be put in their place uh, in terms of their uh, fashion choice. Yeah, who will we drip rank next? Comment below. The Mir, the Ixalan Pirates. Uh, who do you want to drip rank? <laughs> oh yeah, lots and lots of uh, um, options. So thanks for putting that one together. Lots of fun as always. How do you feel about wrapping this episode up? I feel pretty good about wrapping this one up, Will. All right. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Gut Shot. It really does mean a lot to us. And thanks for liking, subscribing, and everything else you do that shows your support. You can follow me on Twitter at AgroRhetoric. Frederick is at FredSB on Twitter and at WarCrimesUwu on Twitch. And you can follow the show on Twitter at GutShotPod. This has been GutShot, the digital-only Magic the Gathering podcast perpetually. See you next time.